Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hmm? Ah! Hmm. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure he's on his way back here as fast as he can with the others. You know, probably just so he can check in on people almost as much as you do. You know, it's pathological. Can't you just let people like me suffer in peace? Yeah, caring. It's a real problem. Hey, Zed Heads, welcome to the podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Lucy. And this is the Walking Dead cast episode 425. That's a little bit of a milestone. That's cool. It is, yeah. That's like a quarter centennial. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. It's cool, though. That's a lot of... A lot of podcasting. Um, this episode of the podcast is made possible by Patreon supporters like Tej Matili, who've Yay! pledged their support at patreon.com slash Jason Cabassi. So thank you, Tej. Everyone knows who that is. Tej. He, he's the father of Seth, Ethan, and Logan. Oh, the best kids. The best, the best kids ever who've been binging Walking Dead and becoming scarred for life. No, I'm just mm-hmm. kidding. <laughs> we will be paying for their therapy bills with Jason's Patreon. <laughs> like, right. We yeah, will not be doing that. Pledge whatever <laughs> you can to help. <laughs> Attention shoppers. Deadcast top five in five, four, three, two. All right, it's our Deadcast Top 5. It's our Top 5 Highlights for The Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 21, Diverged. What'd you think? I liked it. Me too. Yeah, I, I don't have much to... I, mm-hmm. I, I, it was just good. I mean, it's filler, but it's good filler. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I, I yeah. can't really... There's no looking at these six episodes and being like... They wouldn't have existed if it wasn't for the kind of pandemic thing. So there is an extent to which they are filler. But this was enjoyable filler that I like to watch. Yeah, I mean, I I tend to 
shy away from that word just because for me, and I've probably said this way too many times and you're, you guys are mouthing all of this along with me at this point. But for me, if a, if an episode moves me in some way, or I just find it interesting or enjoyable or entertaining, then I, then it's done its job. I don't really care so much if it's moved, quote unquote, move the plot forward. I mean, unless, you know, if, if we got an episode like this and it was the finale, then I probably wouldn't feel the same way of like the series finale. <laughs> the surprise series finale. <laughs> Guess what? We're not doing a season 11. Bye. I think filler is great because sandwiches need a filler and everyone <laughs> yeah, likes sandwiches. So if, filler for me, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I like character driven stuff. And I think that filler, inverted commas, can often be code for this is an episode that sort of developed character and yeah. had an emotional impact, but didn't necessarily didn't press for the plot. Forward. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, sh- I mean, I want a balance of that stuff too. Like I do want the plot to be furthered, but it's just like it, when we get an episode like this and I like it, I'm like, ah, that's great. Just as good as mm. anything for me. Um, I, th- you know, as I was watching it, I thought, I think a lot of people are going to feel like this is boring, but for some reason I'm liking it and it had more of like a day in the life feel than we usually get. But I also found, especially on second watch that there were some things going on beneath the surface that were really interesting. And I liked it even more on second watch. I had the same experience with the second watch. And I think that what you're saying about, um, a day in the life is really interesting because I have a slice of life written in one of my notes. Yeah. So I had exactly the same kind of cool. same kind of thoughts. It felt like an indie movie to me. Mm, you know, yeah, I think so. Quiet. That's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Quiet but interesting. Yeah. Okay, uh which number five? So for my number five, I'm gonna go for uh dog. I, I always have dog as one of my number five, but his performance was really good. Mm-hmm. That is a very well-trained dog. Um, I liked having dog in the scenes because I have found in my life as a pet owner that you do tend to use your animals as sounding boards and things that you talk to when there's <laughs> no one else around, particularly in the last year. And I liked the kind of use of him as a sounding board for Carol. I liked the way that she interacted with him. It felt very natural. Um, I enjoyed that he picked to go with Carol rather than with Daryl. And Daryl was like, nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Possibly nice. a little pissed off that his Thanks dog had abandoned get. him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gone git. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed the whole kind of thing with the dog being upset about the rat. Uh, his kind of wrecking the house a little bit trying to find this rat and then when it came to it and the rat was there he just sort of looked at carol petulantly and carol's Mm -hmm. like is this because i yelled at you earlier and i think it was i think dog was annoyed by that (laughs) we'll have to get him on for an interview to talk about his motivations in that scene were you annoyed by when carol yelled at you <laughs> Good, boy. Good boy. Yeah, he had quite a range. Like he can play misbehaving really well, but also mm-hmm. what, there was one scene where he was just sitting there like a good boy, looking up at her. Mm-hmm. And I was like, very so cute. cute. And then I loved when he, he jumped up so on cute. the bed, and um, she's like, "That's bold." Uh, but I right. Know, good thing the fight is out of me. <laughs> that was cute. He's just like, yeah, I'm gonna sleep here. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um, I liked Carol at the end when Daryl's like, was he good? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, not really. No. He did wreck Daryl's house. Why like, is all my shit torn him. up? Oh, I did yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but no, it was good. And I liked having Carol kind of 
interacting with someone and kind of sharing these sort of vulnerabilities and emotions with someone who wasn't necessarily another person um but having this relationship with dog who's just a very good boy and very enjoyable to watch yeah um, beautiful so yeah, dog. i really like that such a beautiful dog and i got i believe i got the breed wrong i thought he was an alsatian but somebody wrote in last week to correct me he he's not actually an alsatian he's a different kind of dog mm. but a very very beautiful one yeah so, yeah and when he, um, when they, Carol and Daryl went on their forked path diverging and Dog followed after Carol, my first thought was, what a, that's a, such a betrayal. <laughs> Dog, come on. But um, no. then I was like, why did he go, why did he go with Carol? And I'm still not exactly sure, but my impression is that the idea is he somehow kn- knew that Carol was going back home. And Daryl was not, and he just wanted to go home. And and also that it wasn't like saying, I'm choosing Carol over you forever. Because then once they got home, you know, she's like, I miss, you miss him, don't you? I miss him too. And took him to Daryl's house because it smelled like Daryl, which I don't want to imagine what that actually is, but apparently Mm. Dog likes it. So what do you think? Why do you think Dog chose Carol? I always view dogs as being very food motivated, and I think <laughs> yeah. he probably thought that food was more likely back in Alexandria than so it was. So you think it's the same the thing? She, he kind I of think supposed so. to realize that she was going home. Yeah, I think he's used to maybe going with one or the other, and was just like, "Yeah, I think it's probably more likely that I'm going to get my dinner if I head back to Alexandria." So, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it was any. I think though, Daryl kind of says, "Oh, nice." I think he, it's maybe not an unusual thing that he'll yeah. choose to go with carol i do propose so i know that some listeners are referring to the spin-off as um bike and bake <laughs> i propose that we change it to bike bake bark because i feel like dog is going to be in the spin-off he better be <laughs> so yeah that bike, would be bake, a tragedy bark. if dog wasn't in it for some reason God, I swear, if that dog gets killed off, it's going to be worse than when Glenn went. Like, it just is. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, I'm quitting yeah. the show. Keep digging away <laughs> from the dog. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, bike, bake, bark. Um, that's my proposal. If AMC are listening, <laughs> I will take a cut of that. But I enjoyed it very much. And I find, I don't know, I find pets and animals enjoyable to watch on screen. And there is just a little part of me that's tickled that this dog actor is so well trained and was able to do all of the different things and i like seeing melissa mcbride giving him belly rubs that was very cute (laughs) i'm looking at my number five here um it's why this episode worked for me i kind of already covered it in the part where i said what i liked about it but part of it maybe that i didn't mention is that you mentioned is just expectations and context play a big part in how much i'll like something so um, because we mm. knew these were smaller character episodes and made with COVID limitations, um, and not mes- necessarily meant to move the story forward, then I'm, you know, totally expecting that and here for it. And so I think mm. it helped just to know that, but also it helps that Walking Dead hasn't been around in a long time, except that one episode. So that big gap is just made me miss the show and appreciate having it. But mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, maybe if this had just come along in the middle of a regular season, I, I'd like to think that I would still like it because I just like the feel of it. And it was kind of fun to see them having small problems to overcome for a change. And I think that's a really valid point. Yeah. I think as well, what has surprised me a little with the Carol and Daryl episodes in particular is there's a bit of a lighter hand going into them. They're not exactly... 
light-hearted episodes. This one maybe more so, yeah. but they're not. They're giving the characters room to they're breathe a bit. They're not bleak, and they're not just t- intense, pressured conversations yeah. about the state of the world. It's like they're giving them space to just be just humans be, who are friends yeah. and just hanging out. And I think if you like the show and you've invested time in it, like those of us listening to this podcast and, and doing the podcast have, that's actually a nice reward, yeah. I think, to have this extra time to spend with those characters and to see them absolutely see different aspects to their personality and to their relationship like if we'd had an episode like this early on we probably wouldn't have the patience for it but now it's uh and i also i like things that are dynamic meaning like Mm. songs you know that have a slow a, a low volume part that builds up to a crescendo so this is the um the quiet part that makes the loud tense part more riveting you know (laughs) and i was thinking the timing of this is quite opportune because the war just ended so it's a natural lull to do this kind of exploration whereas like say we had covid and the restrictions right after the lineup like what could you have done with six episodes when your characters are all in a lineup on their knees and they're waiting to find out who dies so we've actually got this is a nice point and i think this episode plays into that a lot with the idea of we're rebuilding after a war and it's kind of a, the calm before the next storm I yeah, think which is fine because we're getting more calm we don't usually get this much calm so I'm fine with it. <laughs> yeah that is a great point yeah after season seven that it would have just been following Carol around because she was the only one not there in the lineup. Or Morgan. <laughs> just Morgan, Carol yeah. and Morgan for six episodes. Like, this is good, you know, or just six episodes of the lineup. Like, right. I don't know, they get bored and they play poker. <laughs> Negan has to go to the bathroom. They're there for a bit longer. Like, it's just, just, it's not worth thinking about. Spouts off for an hour. Yeah. Negan <laughs> performs Hamlet in its entirety. <laughs> part one and part two. Um, All of them in the lineup just applauding. Like, that was so moving. Oh, brilliant. Well, Brilliant, sir. Brilliant. Um, well, I also, I I, uh, I liked how they still, even though it did feel like a quiet indie movie, they still fit some zombie action in there. And I particularly mm. liked when Carol went out to forage for ingredients for her soup, and the Zed started coming out and and surrounding her, and and it, it did feel mm. kind of creepy. I mean, I loved it, you know. But her, she's like, um, what? Think I can't take you myself first you and then you and you and you and then it cuts to black there and i just thought of course we know that carol's gonna easily take care of all of them and at this point in the walking dead a bunch of zeds converging around her fits just fine and to this quiet indie movie charming feel Mm -hmm. if this had happened early on in the show it would have been a big tense deal but now it's just cute Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know that feeds quite nicely into my next point because Mm. my next point was about sort of what you're saying about the um why you like the episode which is this idea of like a slice of life and i think what really struck me is zombies are the manageable problem zombies are where you go to boost your (laughs) self-esteem i can't make soup i can't fix the scarf but i can kill these zombies so it's it's kind of tickling to me to see yeah, that that Carol goes out there to kind of feel that she's done something, and she, yeah, she's foraging. But like you say, she sees these zombies coming, and we know as the audience, not just because of the spinoff, but because of who Carol is, that she's going to be fine. This is a manageable problem mm-hmm. for her. But then she comes back into town, coated in blood, <laughs> and Jerry's like, "You all right?" She's like, "Yep, got some yep, nutritious fine. veggies." <laughs> <laughs> and it felt sort of the same with them. Um, 
there were two sequences that I thought were really interesting, which is Daryl, who we've always known, uh, knows a lot about bike mechanics, sort of figuring out a problem and going and solving it. And also with Carol fixing the solar panel, where I was like, yeah, this is their life now. These are all very capable people. Like they've found a way of living. And with the Whisperers, yeah, the Whisperers have decimated Alexandria, but no one is forlorn and on the ground saying you know we have to move we have to go somewhere everyone's saying okay here's the stuff we have to do to make this place livable and it's just quite reassuring I think after the year we've had to see that people can triumph in adversity Mm. and live a life even with these like yeah Yeah. I like that I like that kind of slice of life element to it so that really that was my number four because I just felt although there's a lot of symbolism and, and heft to the problems that they have the problems were not unfixable in and of themselves. It was just more difficult because of the way things were. But mm-hmm. that's okay. And you can still triumph. And the soup still got made. And Daryl made it home. And yeah, it it made me feel reassured in some ways. Yeah. I think I hadn't really thought about that, but it did me too. And that kind of helps explain the whole stone soup story. Because I stone soup. I wasn't quite sure what the... um moral was of that but just to remind people the story is that a person says they can make a stone soup they bring a stone um and then they're like i just need to borrow a little onion and borrow a little this from somebody else and basically just borrow all the ingredients to to make the soup and Mm -hmm. and i think that's about yeah cooperation and working together to solve a problem and also um that sometimes maybe it's sometimes you need a person in charge to um direct things to get the best out of everybody but i think it's more about sharing and cooperating i don't know though what do you think i think so i think it's about teamwork makes the dream work (laughs) but i think the interesting thing about stone soup is i can really picture carol being the stone soup lady because the person who the person in that story who talks about the stone soup is actually kind of cynical and is manipulating people, not in a really bad way because the the result is that they all get soup, but it, it is a deception because they're yeah. not actually going to make stone soup. They're going to go around and get the bits from people to, to make the soup. And that's kind of what Carol's behavior has always been is she doesn't necessarily look for approval or cooperation before she does something, but things tend to fall into place afterwards. And I feel like with the stone soup story, I always read it as a story about craftiness but about the importance of of working together or fooling people into working together yeah. for the greater good who might not necessarily do it it does seem yeah there, it's there seems to be an element to it that's about conning people and and you get the person who does the conning gets free soup but i mm-hmm. still yeah so but I, that's why i was a little confused because i think the whole theme of this episode is is working together and even like um you know daryl and carol they split and daryl needs the knife that he gave to carol which she should have just given it right back to him after she opened the canteen but anyway Mm -hmm. um and so it's sort of like maybe that fits in with the stone soup thing like these two would be better together cooperating but since they weren't Mm. together he got in big trouble but i don't know i I just looked up stone soup actually on uh, Wikipedia at the moment and uh, it's saying that it's a moral about the value of sharing and I kind of agree with that but I think it's also about people who are maybe reluctant to share and yes. making yeah you're like oh if, if if they don't know that that's what they're doing 
then they'll give a little. Like, if everyone gives a little, we can achieve a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, my number four is sort of about what ha- is leading to all these problems because I criticize that Aaron and Gabriel were still foraging for canned food 12 years mm. into the zombie apocalypse, but mm-hmm. then it became pretty clear pretty quickly that their food sources have dried up. And mm-hmm. this episode really drives that home. Like Carol's the one doing the opening um, voiceover this time. And she says that food is scarce and that the horde killed everything worth hunting. And mm-hmm. she mentioned that the return of Maggie and her people mean they have more mouths to feed, which I guess means that Maggie has more people than I realized because I thought it was just whittled down to a couple in that first episode. Yeah, I thought there was like maybe maybe six. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, maybe six would be significant given that they don't have any food. I don't know. But then um, also Carol tells jerry that maybe she'll clean the dead fish out of the fishery so i guess that the fishery has for some reason the fish are all dead did it get electrocuted is that what it was okay i can't re- i honestly mm. like I'm, I'm a bad podcaster i don't remember much about what the whisperers did or what we saw them do in alexandria i assumed dead fish probably meant something mass like electrocution or poisoning yeah. but i don't know i'm not a fish maybe farmer, dante so did that is it would that have been too long ago i don't know friggin sure. Dante probably let's just blame him it's easier (laughs) um also uh Jerry said that they had to throw out grain because of rats so it's just and that seems like it might not even be whisper related but it's just everything's gone shitty at the same uh, at the same time I guess um, Carol said I wish we could have gotten more to Daryl and he decides to stay out so I guess he you know is getting wants to get more food Mm. and I sort of wonder if given that this season has been about the scarcity of food that maybe next week they'll find a big food source, but I kind of don't think so because that's a Negan episode and I would think they'd want to focus on that story. So maybe, you know, scarcity of resources and food will be part of the storyline going into season 11. Well, yes, because Ezekiel's out finding other people. So I wonder if that's going to play into whatever happens there. Right. Like they, they're, they'll be in a one down position because they need food our people mm, sort of like towards the start of the uh savior war um where they were looking to trade with hilltop and kingdom and mm-hmm. things like that and yeah i guess that's the other thing is the the sweet setup of having more than one settlement is gone because yeah. kingdoms kingdom fell and Hilltop was destroyed. So I guess Carol's probably feeling quite a lot of responsibility for yeah. that one. But they can like take what they've learned from the other communities like Terminus and use that. <laughs> Excellent barbecue at Terminus. Excellent barbecue there. Honestly, delicious. <laughs> yeah, what was that recipe again? <laughs> oh, I don't remember, but the meat was so good. <laughs> <laughs> the best I've ever had. Uh- With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, okay, number three. 
at number three. Um, let's talk a little bit about Carol because, I mean, it just goes without saying that Melissa McBride is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like, she just makes this whole episode. It's funny because um, occasionally I make my partner watch the episodes with me and sometimes he tunes in and sometimes he doesn't, but he tuned into this one and we were cooking this morning and he just turned around and was like, I really liked that episode yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, why? And he's like, I think... Melissa McBride is just so good and you know Norman Reedus and then he paused and went just does what he does <laughs> like, yeah I mean he does just I mean do I think this do. episode was more about Carol actually than Daryl that's how it I was felt. yeah I think Daryl's stuff wasn't boring by a long shot but it was much more about um he was more in control of the situation than Carol I think with the exception of nearly getting squashed by a car um so Carol in this episode First of all, she did something that really tickled me as a small detail, which is she threw some salt over her shoulder when she was cooking. Um, <laughs> which I I was brought up to believe if you spill salt, you have to throw over your left shoulder with your right hand to hit the devil in the eye or you'll <laughs> get bad luck. <laughs> is that just is that some bonkered shit that my dad made up or is that something uh, people have heard of? <laughs> you know, I don't know exactly, but I've I've heard or seen that it's somewhere in the deep recesses of my mind that I can't recall any other details, but I think there is a thing about throwing salt over your shoulder here too. I don't know if it's that that same devil thing, but I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm at that stage in my life where I'm looking at my behavior and thinking, was that normal or was that something that was like just unique to the people that I grew (laughs) up around? Um, No, I think that's It's weird when you say something about someone and they look at you like, that is not a thing. And you're like, oh, okay. yeah, Not normal, dude. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, oh, my whole childhood was a lie. Um, So Carol did that, which just tickled me um, unnecessarily. I think Melissa McBride did a really good job in this episode of showing us exactly what we know about Carol, which is that she's very good at putting on a front and kind of, you know, being positive and being like or seeming to be cheery yeah and i think having it set in alexandria had me really thinking about the carol that arrived at alexandria me too. when she was baking um, cookies and then plotting baking cookies, <laughs> that that scene where she like tries to take her gun off and she's like oh, oh, oh i'm so clumsy right. i can't even take my gun off um and that i don't know it really worked for me having her like in the pantry where kind of things it all began um, so seeing her sort of interact with Jerry and Jerry, who is just so different from Carol, because Jerry is like what you see is what you get. Um, he says himself he doesn't have a poker face. Yeah. So seeing him kind of figure out that Carol's not right, like there's something not right there. Um, she did an absolutely excellent job of making a rat trap. I was really impressed by that. I was like, whoa, that's some hardcore engineering. Like I would not have managed to make um, a box. So kudos to her for being very inventive with how you use rubber bands. I have a sidebar about rubber bands, right? So rubber bands, if I buy a ball of rubber bands and I put them in my desk drawer within two months, they're like dry and won't work. So how they've got rubber bands still working That's 10 years point. into the apocalypse, I super want to know what brand they are because like mine are terrible in comparison. Yeah, <laughs> um, we need to get some character. You can get like the guy who played Paolo from Lost to just show up and say he's in Alexandria and that figured out how to make rubber. Yep. <laughs> Thank God we have that rubber tree. And they're like, yes, Eugene did a great job of opening up the rubber band factory. And I'm like, doesn't make any sense um but yeah just I, I honestly it's hard with melissa mcbride because it's just her performance is great um and i just feel that she gave so much to this episode in terms of her own vulnerability and her own pain and the doubt that she feels because she does 
Carol goes big. Like, she does big things. She murders David and Karen. She busts into Terminus and explodes loads of people. She lets Negan go. You know, she does all of this stuff and doesn't really think about the consequences. And, you know, nine times out of... Well, maybe seven times out of ten, it's great. And it has good consequences. But other times, maybe it four just times doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm like, I'm taking that number down. Maybe four. Maybe once. I mean, Terminus was good. Let's just leave yes, it at that. Yeah. <laughs> that makes up for a lot. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out in this episode, really, where, where Carol's head's at. Because she's feeling so much guilt and responsibility and I thought kind of going into this episode that that would be mainly about Connie but I think it is more about having let Negan out and the sort of extra suffering of the whisperers that could have maybe been prevented at some points by her behaving differently or putting her personal vendetta aside because I think Carol ultimately did do the right thing letting Negan go and I think it did end the war but there was a lot of collateral damage along the way. And what we're seeing in this episode is the result of that collateral damage and Carol not being resilient enough or or losing that will to be resilient and kind of deal with it and kind of pondering whether or not she's worth being there. And that idea of your friend not thinking you're perfect anymore just sort of breaks my heart a little bit. I know. I mean, yeah, that's why I loved this episode after second watch because it goes so deeply into Carol. And I think it's almost like a, um, a check-in on how she's come since those episodes you're, how far she's come or, or not since those episodes you mentioned when she first came to Alexandria and yeah, she puts up mm-hmm. a front and she, that's why she was like with uh, Jerry, you know, can't you just let me suffer in peace? Why do you have to check in? Because she doesn't want people checking in and seeing what's underneath this facade that she puts up because it's, mm-hmm. they might see that she's quote unquote broken, which she's afraid that she is. But yeah, you said she goes big and there's collateral damage. And this episode shows that even with small problems, she's like that with the rat, she tears up a wall, oh my God. which reminded <laughs> me of Chuck from better call Saul. But, um, mm. but, um, I think, yeah, she has this, she, she says in the opening, uh, credits or, uh, voiceover, I do what it takes, you know, I do whatever it takes. Mm. And that's what we saw her do this time, tore up the wall. And then, uh, she's outside with Jerry and he gives her that sweet hug and we see the rat just go away. And so that problem Mm -hmm. kind of just solved itself without her Mm -hmm. having to try the trying did no good. And then that little, whatever grody piece of rag that she was going to fix, whatever that was, that was disgusting. (laughs) And and she just goes, sorry and throws it in the trash. And I feel like that might be an indication of some character growth where there's, I mean, Mm -hmm. I think Carol's too big, maybe flaws, maybe not. Cause you're right. They have led to some good things, but that she's um, reckless and mm-hmm. that she has this impulse to run away from people. And so, mm-hmm. and this episode I think is about both because I think uh, Daryl's mad at her about both those things. You know, he's afraid she'll mm-hmm. abandon him, but he's also like sees that she's reckless and it gets other people hurt. And so mm-hmm. when she threw that uh, little rag away and said, I'm sorry, I feel like that was her just making a little bit of small progress on just being able to mm-hmm. let go of things and not have to do whatever it takes all the time, you know? I think that's such a, I hadn't really thought of it that way. And I think that's like such a good point. And I think as well with Carol, it's the blinkers. Like she can't see the wood for the trees. And with the Whisperer War, I think the reason I'm, one of the reasons I'm maybe easier on her about that than I maybe should be is she was dealing with such a profound grief. Whereas like with David and Karen, 
that was just batshit. Right, <laughs> it's just like, really holy, it, what I, the, what I feel just like happened? That's one, maybe one of those things that just should have and could have been plotted better that it wasn't mm-hmm. just meant to say, okay, this woman is fucking crazy, which is how I felt, but mm-hmm. more like, wow, she, she did this extreme thing, but it, maybe it was warranted because I'm like, no, you just keep them in quarantine. You don't need to kill them. You know, that's stupid. Yeah. But I don't think that was the reaction that we were supposed to have. So I think it I was like a bit of storytelling. We could not air that episode post COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it would raise exactly. more questions than it answered. <laughs> Can you imagine? We're like, um, so there's reasons why this is bad. But you know, it says a lot that we've done all this chatting about Carol for the last five to ten minutes, and we haven't even mentioned the Grove and the fact that she shot a kid. Like, we just haven't even (laughs) touched on. Like, I remember seeing that episode, and and it was during a Walker Stalker weekend, and we had a live podcast afterwards, and uh, they were passing the microphones around to get audience reaction, and people were like, "Yeah, I think she did the right thing," and did she? And then, um. The actor who played uh, Carol's mustachioed boyfriend there. What's that oh, Axel. Name? Axel, yeah. Uh, yeah. He came in and he was really mad about it. And I think um, maybe he has a person with disabilities in his life or something. And he was mm. just like, you don't just throw people away who are like that. They need help. Or I, I don't know exactly what he said, but that was the vibe he was putting off. And, and when, when he did that, I was like... Yeah, it is worth thinking about, <laughs> you know. Lou Temple, that's Lou his Temple, name. I was yeah, like, yeah. it's his name, Lou mm-hmm. Temple. He used to come to a few cons, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, he did. He's yeah. an interesting guy. He, Yeah, I remember you telling me about that, him being real. And I mean, yeah, he has a point. And it, I think the Lizzie and Mika thing is just so interesting because it is... Oh, there's it's so, so much it, it's like it's like a philosophical like one of those conundrums you get given like the trolley problem where mm. you're like yeah it's wrong to take that life but also there's a baby who can't defend themselves and this person has already killed their sister and we don't have the capacity to give them the help and support that they need and oh it's just it's 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 complex. a problem you never want to have no exactly it's not like um, but we just put the trolley on the other track it's like oh let's just not but the other thing that i was i went deep into kind of old walking dead trivia this weekend i'm falling down a lot of wikipedia holes lately and i believe it to be true that melissa melissa i know it's it's literally my job um melissa mcbride was the only member of cast who didn't have to audition because she'd worked with Frank Darabont before. So she was offered like what I assume was just a recurring role and has now evolved into this amazing, amazing character who's just had such a compelling arc, um, really divisive, really layered, really nuanced. And I just thought, you know, God bless you, Fleur Frank Darabont, because that was, I, I doubt he foresaw what he was doing by putting Melissa McBride in that role, because in the comics, Carol's just not the same, shall we say. She's just not the same character. Not the um, same character at all, yeah. Not the same character at all. And to have this powerhouse, of, of all the people who I feel on this show were robbed of like Emmy nominations, I think for me it was Andrew Lincoln and Melissa McBride, because the two of them, like their performances have just, and dog. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, like, what would the pet Emmys be called? <laughs> <laughs> the Pawskers was the one I came up with. It wasn't very the good. Woofers. Um, the Woofers. <laughs> but it's it's criminal that Melissa McBride has done all of this amazing work, but because of the nature of the show, it's just not going to get. Did you say Pawskers? I like way. that. 
Poskers. I did say Poskers. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm going to do in my next line of work is start pet related Posker. I mean, so far I've just got dog and maybe the cat from uh, the cat from Fear the Walking Dead, who's the best character. Right. Um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's, you know, always a pleasure to watch her and she and Norman Reedus do good work together. And I just felt this Carol episode was so strong. Um, yes. Yeah. So that was me. My number three. Okay. What's that? Yep. My number three is uh, just sort of the practicalities of Carol's challenges. And I was thinking mm. that Karen would have liked this episode. I almost want to ask her to watch it, but. She could watch. I was thinking about this as well, actually. I was thinking you could watch this episode out of context, yeah. I think. I nearly sent it to a friend of mine who's getting into TV writing, who's never watched the show. And I was like, I think they would quite like this episode. I, I, well, Karen always used to complain that The Walking Dead has gotten into this. Um, repetitiveness having a villain of the week and she would like to see more of the practicalities of living in the zombie apocalypse and i think this episode is that i wonder I, maybe i'll send it to her too I'm, I'm curious but we see i think it's worth it although the rat is a pretty bad villain <laughs> <laughs> the it's governor true. negan rat right right we, i wonder what shane would have how he would have handled that rat <laughs> maybe shane was scared of rats <laughs> right <Yeek. Woo. laughs> running down the street um but so we see people overcoming problems associated with living in a post-apocalyptic world like jerry says they use the dead fish for fertilizer um, oh can you imagine the smell of that yeah. in a, a virginia it's summer kind of funny yeah. um <laughs> we see all the people rebuilding alexandria and talk of repairing the front gate and and carol wants to help in some way please you know i, I want to help she's like feeling like i need to fix something like that obsessive mm. need because she feels broken inside i think and so she decides oh, i'll make food for jerry and that is actually a great problem to try and solve giving the scarcity mm. of of food and she says she has fish nuts and mushrooms which i presume she got when she was out with daryl i was trying to think mm -hmm. what i want a fish nut mushroom soup i think i might like i would it. not i you mean wouldn't? if i was super hungry i might but otherwise i'm gonna it's a hard pass for me <laughs> on all three of those fish fine mushrooms fine nuts i and maybe not in a soup yeah but I, mean, I guess you're maybe right. it's kind of a nice i've never had rustic. nuts in a soup i don't know yeah i feel be. like i've had walnuts on t or like pumpkin seeds and walnuts on top of a pumpkin soup yeah i guess you're never right. yeah, in the that. soup <laughs> um mm. and she forages for nettles and dandelion greens and she has to fix the solar panel so she can use the hot pot which is pretty um she's just showing a lot of ingenuity and then mm -hmm. the new problem arises of the rat which she decides she has to get rid of and like you mentioned she makes that trap out of a cardboard box and some twine and like a a fishing pole or something rubber band mm. it says see you later asshole but then i don't understand why <laughs> she just lifted it right up and let him get away I, yeah, did he fall out is that what it was because uh, i don't know peter's prediction was i bet the rat's going to have eaten its way out of the cardboard uh, and i was like oh but no it hadn't it, she no. just picked it up and then it sort of yeah and she seemed surprised out. that it I, yeah I, I gotta watch that again but it seemed like mm. It was a mistake on her part. I don't know, though. Mm -hmm. And then she ends up, of course, tearing up the wall to try to get at it, which was overkill. But anyway, I guess that's all. I, I just I liked that we finally had an episode that I think Karen would like. And I'm now going to send it to her and see if she'll watch it. <laughs> I think I had the same thought, honestly. I think, um, yeah, I what I liked about this episode and Carol's story was we've 
all had days like that where like things just don't go right. You're like, right, I'm going to get up today and I have a clear objective, which is to like, I don't know, wash my car. And then you're like, I don't have a bucket. I need to go and find a bucket. And then you're like, ah, oh, to get a bucket, I have to go to the shop. And then if I'm at the shop, I have to buy this thing for this other thing that I have to do. And then nothing goes right. And you just feel so frustrated and annoyed. And I think that feeling for me has really been exacerbated in the last mm. year with having our freedoms limited in certain ways. Um, to not be able to sort of do things as readily and I think it's about working within limitations and yeah you see those limitations start to take their toll on Carol and yeah it tickled me I really liked it I said it tickled me like five times in this episode people can start taking a shot now <laughs> every time that I say that um yeah I like that too the problem solving aspect okay what's your number two Cooper Andrews mm. it was just nice to see him I love Jerry and he's such a a light character to have. In fact, I think one of the most upset I've been watching the show is when we had Jerry in the cave and it looked like he wasn't going to make it. Like, I've never been that stressed out. And I think having Jerry in this episode was a really nice reminder of the happy time of Carol's life in the kingdom. Um, and you get the feeling, I think, that Jerry is the biggest Carol and Ezekiel shipper out there. I think he's really rooting for the two of them to either get back together or sort of reconcile in some way. Um, I thought their interaction was really sweet. And I like that Jerry's very blunt and, and straightforward. And I think like Carol tells this amazing stone soup story. And I think Jerry's just so busy with gardening and whatnot. He's just like, ugh, stone soup, gross. Hope that's not the soup we have. <laughs> I really like that. So just having him in this episode, I think, was a really nice... Um, it brought a nice lightness to it. And he be, him being unfazed, I think, by Carol's spikiness, I think he's probably seen elements of that over the last 10 or 7 or so years they've known each other. And I think he's just, you know... I think he knows he just needs a big Jerry bear hug. And I really appreciate <laughs> I that. And, and I would also like a big Jerry it's bear a COVID hug. Episode, I'm like, oh, hug. We need hugs. I know. <laughs> and he just looks like he gives really good hugs. He just does this look of like a really cuddly guy. So yeah, I just loved seeing him. Um, it's funny because there are, you know, they mention like Rosita and in some ways, you know, Rosita's a character we've known much longer and would be nice to spend time with. But I really enjoyed seeing Jerry. Um, and Jerry doesn't, I think it's good for Carol to see Jerry because Jerry doesn't have beef with Carol. He just wants to get the job done. Like I, I don't view Jerry as like someone who holds a grudge or thinks too deeply about kind of the ins and outs of, of what's gone on. I think he just sees a problem and solves it and has a very practical view. He also sees that she needs some love. Exactly. <laughs> and that really cute quote about friends really broke yeah. me. And you could tell it really got to Carol as well. She was like, but you didn't even know. <laughs> He's like, yeah, put two and two together and came up with Eureka. <laughs> He's great. Yeah. Oh, Jerry. Uh, my favorite Cooper Andrews story is when um, I was on the Walker Stalker cruise and we were backstage, me and him and Kari Payton getting ready for their <gasps> panel. And Oh, that's so fun. Kari Payton was doing, uh, was walking on his hands backstage i guess to get his energy up or something <laughs> or maybe just because it was already up and um then when we went out i just mentioned that oh he was doing handstands backstage and he did another one on stage and then i joked okay your turn cooper and then cooper stand stood up to do one and uh 
he did and he was looking pretty wobbly and i looked at kari oh, no. and i'm like give give him a spot <laughs> and so he held <laughs> his legs but it was really fun <laughs> oh that's awesome but uh you know i think everything you said is is right on and i i think i mean that speech that he said or that line he said a friend is someone who thinks you're perfect even if everyone else thinks you're broken that hits right at the heart of carol's story because as we said she puts up this facade and doesn't want to let people see what's underneath i mean that's a strategic thing so they won't will underestimate Mm -hmm. her but i think it's also just a a habit that she's had probably since she was abused you know trying to make Mm -hmm. everybody think everything's fine even when it's not or when she feels like it's not and so jerry saying that is um it's saying, you know, if they're if real friends, I think what he's saying is real friends know that nobody's perfect, but we love you anyway, you know, mm-hmm. and it's okay to show yourself and, and you can still be loved even if you do show yourself. And it's significant that Jerry's the one saying that because he almost got her killed too in that cave. I mean, she almost mm-hmm. got him killed, sorry, in the cave. Very true. Oh, I, I don't know if I'd be saying the same things about Carol if jerry had died right <laughs> i can't even bring myself and jerry to knows i think he knows that you know and so for him to still say you know hey i'm your friend and it's okay to be who, who you are then um i think that's pretty significant i think so and it touches to such a deep part of everyone's insecurity which is that you know everyone's going to find out how crap i am or everyone's going to see that i'm broken or everyone's going to see that i'm not a good person and it just really resonated with me um this idea that she feels that the last person who sort of loved her unconditionally no longer does so um, and she sort of says to dog like what is it a, an apology is just a truce i know he know i know he means what he said and that's just heartbreaking because mm-hmm. i think he probably does mean what he said as well and it, it's just there's no kind of winner in that situation it's just painful well, I was going back to what he said. Well, is it my turn? Uh, I do. Yeah, you're, okay. it's your number two. Number two. Yes, okay. you're number two. So good. So I'll do the rift between Daryl and Carol since that's where we are right mm. now. So um, we see them split up at the beginning of the episode and um, it's very symbolic, but it's fine. I like it. And, and you know, when Dog went with... Um, Carol, it kind of had this feeling of like a divorce and she got custody of the kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. but that, it's, it's a smaller episode, so it wasn't that. It was just, okay, we've just had this argument, which we saw in the last Carol Daryl episode. And he said, um, you know, I stopped you from running and I shouldn't have. Want to run? Run. I think, I don't know for sure, but I think that's what she's talking about when she says, I know he meant what he said. He said some other things too, but... I, you know, mm-hmm. she was saying, this isn't just about Connie. What, what is this really about? And that's where they got to the thing about how she runs away, which is why I think it's not just her recklessness, but it's also Daryl being afraid of being abandoned by her or just her not being reliable. So mm-hmm. anyway, um, they went down their um, separate pa- paths. And by the end of it, the rift is still there. Like she went through all this trouble to make the soup and he doesn't, he doesn't know that, but still he doesn't want it. You know, would you like to have some soup? Mm-hmm. No, thanks. I'm fine. And he doesn't want his, uh, his, uh, knife back. Cause he found a multi-tool and it's just like, okay, that rift is still there between them. And, and 
it it shows that you can't solve some problems with soup or you know by proxy you have to actually solve the the real problem but maybe carol's gone a little ways towards doing that with her character growth of this episode but there's still more work to do between these two characters which makes sense given that they have this spinoff so they don't want to have all the storytelling done in one episode i Mm. guess yeah, it's not really, it is like a truce rather than a resolution. Yeah. Um, and the way they play that tension at the start of the episode is good. It's that, that bit after a fight where you're both being polite. You're like, yeah, great, cool, thank you. Yeah, all That's right, great. I'm going to go. Okay, <laughs> okay. And that awkwardness of like, you don't have to apologize. And he's like, I wasn't going to. And you're like, oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. then when you say you don't need to apologize, it makes it, it, makes it clear that you kind of think maybe you should get an apology. <laughs> you absolutely should apologize right, to me. Right, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what's <laughs> underneath that. <laughs> but then she said, I don't need an apology. And I know he meant everything he said. Oh, anyway, um, what's your number one? So my number one, we've kind of touched on a lot of it, was just the symbolism and the plotting of the episode, this idea of paths that diverge and kind of parallel one another. So we see them take two different roads and one of them has the thing that would solve the problem for the other. So Carol has the tool that would help Daryl. And in some ways, Daryl is the thing that would help Carol because it's his forgiveness and approval that she's really looking for um, and not getting and it's this also, whole episode I think is his knife that she's using to chop up the wall yeah <laughs> <laughs> yay <laughs> i think it's an episode about problems and broken people or people who think they're broken mm-hmm. and that idea of really needing a purpose you know needing something to do to kind of get rid of that restless feeling of of what am i what am i here for what have i done and i really liked as well that the plot is addressing what happens after the war we don't often see you know in the walking dead we usually skip over these bits we usually go from mm-hmm. like time jump standing yeah rick standing covered in blood like to them yeah. like these six episodes are like what what happens during the time jump that would have been if we didn't get these six episodes and it's just <laughs> so satisfying to see that i think and Yeah, I think this idea of just filling what we give one another, the tools that we give one another to help and to survive is just really powerful. And it's just a really well-written episode, I think. It's it's simple as anything. Like, there's very little to it. But at the same time, like you say, there's so much complexity. And I really appreciate that. And and I really appreciate what you said about the symbolism um, earlier of... It's gone from my mind now, but you said something very profound about <laughs> symbolism. And that really enhances my understanding of it even further. About and Carol like about... solving big and small problems. That's it. Yes. Way. Punching the wall in yeah. when she could really just wait and the tiny rat would probably leave at some point. Yeah. It's 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 rich with symbolism. And I think you're right. I think we are seeing a little shift in Carol's character here. And I appreciate that. So for me, yeah, the symbolism, the parallels and the, the plotting of this episode were top notch. Awesome. Yeah, that that's great. I, I know um, just from having peeked at some of the listener feedback that a lot of people thought it was boring. So we'll see. We're getting more feedback after this. Um, but um, I wonder if our conversation will change anybody's viewpoints. It would be interesting to know. Yeah. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I, my number one was Carol's, you know, just her whole mindset and psyche, character growth, and all the things that we've already covered very well. So let's get into notes. All right. So the tool that I think Daryl finds on both the soldiers is a Leatherman, um, which is like a Swiss Army knife plus almost. Um, so it was quite handy, I think, that he found two of those. Um, but I kind of buy it that, you know, soldiers, if a, a Zed is walking around with a bag on them, you're not necessarily going to kill them just to see what's in the bag. So I, I bought that he could have found two of those mm-hmm. and was glad that he did. And they had um, ter- some MREs, meals ready to eat. And some other yes. things. So if you're going to find a, a Zed, that would be a good one with bulging pockets, a soldier with bulging pockets. Exactly. <laughs> um, as for Daryl, when did he injure his leg? Because I've forgotten. Well, Was it I last think, episode? See, I kind of thought um, when he got under that car and it started to shift, I'm like, get out of there right now. Don't wait and see what's going to happen. But I think the idea was that it, when it shifted, it pinned him, pinned his leg and then it shifted uh, back and then he got out. So I think that's when he injured his leg. I'm not sure if I'm right about that, but that's what I thought happened. I think that whole sequence was actually one of my notes because I'm rereading um, The Stand at the moment. Um, not for there, there is a Zed Head book group currently reading The Stand, but I'm on the wrong time zone. So I'm rereading bits of it for my own edification because I just finished watching the miniseries. And there's a whole bit in it about... Um, so everyone dies in a plague or you know something happens and then... In I think it's they say the, a month after there's another kind of wave of deaths and it's not through the plague it's through people doing stuff that would not have been a big deal before the apocalypse but after the apocalypse is a big deal so you read about people like I don't know falling over on roller skates and hitting their head or one woman shuts herself in a freezer like it's silly things like that and I was watching Daryl under the car and just thinking that'd be a really ignominious death for oh Daryl Dixon yeah. to be like crushed by a car there <laughs> like, would be rioting uh, if that happened Oh, that would be awful. It would be just Daryl the Zed on Bike, Bake and Bark. Um, so it did, it made me, I mean, obviously Daryl's not going to die, but there was a bit of like, ugh, yeah. he's going to have to like amputate something. I saw a Leatherman and immediately thought like, oh, 127 hours, you have to chop something <laughs> off. Um, right. So that was that. Uh, three other wee notes. They both say, see you later, asshole, uh-huh. which I thought was funny. She says it when she sets up the rat trap and he says it as he's getting away from one of those zombies yeah the one in the kind of exactly they're paralleling one another the song at the end is by amateur blonde and it's called no worries and again i really like the choice of song and music yeah that's another thing i forgot to mention the music in this episode elevated it another notch for me the score and that song at the end it just added to the indie movie feel and i thought it was all great There was a really neat musical cue where when Carol wakes up in the night and goes to get her flashlight, there was the tiniest hint of the Whisperer theme. Like it was just Mm -hmm. like four notes. And I was like, oh, that's so cool because it just puts us on edge a little, little bit. And then you realize it's it's Ratatouille and Carol (laughs) is running around the kitchen. Um, And my last note is really a, a call to arms for listeners or for cindy if she's listening who lives where in alexandria do daryl and carol live in the same time townhouse but on different floors do they both live above the pantry like how does it work where are people living now i'd really like to know so if the show want to give us a map or if someone wants to explain i'd be super interested yeah i thought yeah that i guess carol took 
dog to Daryl's house because he would be more comfortable there. But I thought when they first got to Alexandria, everyone got their own house and then the pantry's in a separate place too. But I don't know for sure. See, I thought that, but then at the end, it really looked like they were both going to the same place. And there was a little bit of like Carol's running from the pantry to get dog because she can hear him wrecking the house. But then also being able to just go downstairs to the pantry when dog is... I don't know. It seems to... My theory is that they live in a townhouse together, but they have separate yeah, floors. Yeah, could be, yeah. But I'm interested to know. If somebody wants somebody to do like a deep that, dive yeah. and draw a diagram, I'd be super into it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. In Carol's intro, she... I, I was thinking about Tej's theory last week that this is all storytelling from the end of the series, but I... Don't mm. it it seemed to me that she was speaking from the vantage point of in between uh the last episode of Carol and Daryl and this one because she says every tough decision I've made was always to protect us, I'll do whatever it takes, and now I need to make things right. So that seems like that comment and now I need to make things right just led right into this episode. Mm. You know? Yeah, I think that that does kind of go against it I a think. little bit. Yeah. Not for sure, but um Let's see. There were a lot of kind of, there were a couple of mistakes. Like Carol should have just given the knife back right away. Um, or the when the car started shifting, I thought Daryl should have gotten out of there right away. Although maybe he was pinned. So, but, and I think, you know, when he fell into the ravine and let the Zed who was down, trapped down there free accidentally, I'm mm. like, wow, that was a stupid move. But I think the idea was that because he was injured that's why that happened i think so i think he was also super exhausted i feel like he mm. didn't really have time to sleep or anything but there was a little bit of with daryl kind of mm, that wasn't maybe the smartest yeah. thing to <laughs> anytime i see a, a zombie in a car i'm like all right what's the story behind that it was he locked in there did someone trap him in there <laughs> i find that so i think the car zombies are really interesting and i did have a I thought to myself, I was like, would Daryl, would it have made more sense for him to be like, I'm just going to get rid of this Zed first rather yeah. than it running around? But then I was like, maybe you're not thinking that way when you're looking at things. I don't know. I, don't know. I won't know what I would do. I mean, he probably didn't realize the car was going to tilt like that. But all, mm. And it was, the zombie was trapped inside, so no, no harm. But mm. I mean... Also, why is there a car in the middle of a forest with no roads anywhere? <laughs> Interesting question. <laughs> uh, and then there were some, oh, I guess we already talked about the lines. Yeah, I, we cover, covered all my notes. I just wanted to add that I just think it's really cool that The Walking Dead's creators adapted to COVID like this and that we're getting these kind of unique episodes. High quality, yeah, I think. Like That's it. the thing. Even the ones I haven't liked as much, the production values and stuff have been mm. absolutely sublime. So yeah, it's, it's really nice. I think my favorite so far is your least favorite, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think my favorite so far might be this one, yeah, but really, I'm not yeah. sure. I, I keep thinking about the Aaron and Gabriel one. Yeah. Like that's lingering in my mind a little bit. I'm interested to see where that leaves them both when we next see them. Right. But I have a feeling next week will be either really amazing or really divisive i, I heard know. it's good but just from one person who saw it so i don't know i th i think they've got a lot to work with i think it's cool that they've got um the actress who they've got playing a certain role is cool yes <laughs> anyone who knows knows what you're talking about yes. <laughs> all right we will take a little break there is more to come as usual so stay with us 
Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. Okay, I think I talked about this last time, but uh, just as a reminder, the first three episodes of Robert Kirkman's Invincible are out on Amazon Prime. That's the <gasps> uh, animated adaptation of his comic book. And yeah, I watched the first three episodes. Did you? I haven't seen it. I want to. Is it? Did you thumbs up? Thumbs uh, down? I think thumbs up. I mean, it's not like, oh my God, this is so good. I know I'm going to love it, but it's interesting. And man, it is brutal. Uh, it's weird because it's it looks like an old Saturday morning cartoon, but then there's just some like incredibly gory <laughs> scenes. So it's definitely for mm. an adult audience. Um, yeah, I definitely liked it en- enough to keep watching and see how it goes and i know a lot of those ed heads really loved it that's really good to know that's a good endorsement yeah um robert kirkman talked with comicbook.com about well invincible but they asked him about the rick grimes movie because they have to ask Mm. and he said i think that the show the walking dead is very much an ensemble story and that this movie is very much a rick story so i think being able to focus more on rick as a character and do more with him is really cool i think it's going to be a very different kind of walking dead story You know, when you're doing something like this, you have to make sure that it makes sense for it to be a movie. This isn't just some kind of expansion of what you're expecting from the show. This is something that's going to be very different, but it's going to be the Rick Grimes that we all know and love. And I'm very excited for people to finally see it when it's released in 2032. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I feel like he could have said that and he doesn't even know what the movie's about. (laughs) He could have said all that, you know, just... Such good, just bullshit answers that you get in these things. It's great. I mean, I hope he's right that for one thing that it does come out and that that was a joke about 2032 and that it is, you know, that it does make sense why it's a movie, that it's bigger and more expensive and all that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also, Kirkman's just such a troll. Like he he loves to troll. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I love it, too. He's funny as hell. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to talk a little bit about The Last of Us because I'm still excited about mm. that's one of my favorite games ever it's going to be an HBO show the guy who made the game is one of the executive producers and co-writers of the show Neil Druckmann and um, they've cast uh, uh, what's her name Bella Bella uh, Thorne Bella Thorne no yeah. is that hang on I'm that's looking right. it up is it Bella Thorne who, yeah, that's right. The little, uh, little, the little Liana Stark, Liana, uh, the leader of the house, Mormon, Mormon, got you, Liana yeah, Mormon. Mormon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we got it. We, <laughs> we got it there. We got there. <laughs> and they cast uh, Pedro Pascal, another Game of Thrones oh. alum, as the main guy. So, anyways, uh, Neil Bella Ramsey. Sorry, it's Bella, Bella Ramsey. Ramsey. Oh, up. yeah, I was confused yeah. because Ramsey is in the is a character too. (laughs) Anyways, Mm, Neil Druckmann said, um, 
uh, they talked with he talked with IGN about how closely the show is going to stick to the game. He said we talked at length that season one of the show is going to be the first game, and that the philosophical underpinnings of the story were the essential thing to get right about the adaptation. As far as the superficial things like should a character wear the same plaid shirt or the same red shirt, they might or might not appear in it. That's way less important to us than getting to the core of who these people are and the core of their journey, which sounds a little bit like. Well, not exactly like how they adapted The Walking Dead, but mm-hmm. um, he 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 goes on to talk about some things that make it pretty clear. Oh yeah, adapting a game to TV is different than a comic. He goes, uh, things sometimes stay pretty close. It's funny to see my dialogue there from the game in HBO scripts, and sometimes they deviate greatly to much better effect because we are dealing with a different medium. For example, in the game, there's so much action, you have to train the player about the mechanics. You have to have more violence and more spectacle to some degree than you would need on a TV show because you don't need to train people on how to use a gun. So that's something that's Hmm. been really different. And HBO has been great in pushing us to move away from hardcore action and focus more on the drama of the character. Some of my favorite episodes so far have deviated greatly from the story and I can't wait for people to see them. And then he says, I just thought the first prosthetic test for the clicker and it's awesome. It's so rad to see this thing come to physical life. I don't know if you know much about the game. I've always wanted to play it and I've never got, is it PlayStation only? Yes. Yeah. That's why I've never gotten around to playing it. <laughs> you, you can even watch a little bit on YouTube and get, get an idea if you feel like it. I'm cinematic. super tempted because I think, yeah, I'm trying to think of other games that have been developed into shows. The only one I can think of really is The Witcher, but that's weird because it came from a book, yeah. book to game. I think that to, to the show was billed as being from the books rather than the games too, I think. Yeah. So no, I'm I'm really psyched for The Last of Us. I think it's going to be really interesting. Me too. I mean, you know, I think for the most part, video game adaptations have not been very good. Um, but I think if any one of them is going to be good, this will be the one. I hope I'm right, but we'll see. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. And then last, I didn't even know about this, but, you know, Stephen Yun, he's nominated for an Oscar for his movie Minari. He's the lead character in Invincible, which I didn't mention. He plays Mark mm-hmm. Grayson. Uh, he also has an upcoming Netflix limited series called Beef. What? All right. I don't know when it's coming out, but it says the 10 episode comedy drama will follow two people involved in a road rage incident who both let it burrow into their minds until it slowly consumes their lives. It stars Yun and Ali Wong, and it was created by Lee Sung Jin of Tuka and Birdie, which I've never seen. There's like nothing about that that I don't like. (laughs) Yes. Let's do that. <laughs> I really cool. like Ali Wong. I she was really great in um Birds of Prey and she was in Always Be My Maybe, which was great, and she's a fantastic comic. So yeah, I'm here for that. That's great. I gotta see Birds of Prey. I haven't seen that. Have you not se- oh my god, Jason? Yeah. It's really Did good. Did you watch Justice League? I, I think you said you were gonna watch it. We are halfway through, we're doing it like a um like a mini series. If you get a chance, uh, you should listen to our House Podcastica episode on that. It was really fun. That is my aim, is to, to be able to do that. I've just started listening to Rima and Ben's coverage of The Stand. Um, I'm so kicking myself that I wasn't able to watch it while they were podcasting. Mm. So I'm having a bit of fun time catching nice. up on some stuff like that. That's, that's Justice cool. League so far seems good. Lots of slow motion. <laughs> I know. In fact, like 
they do like the uh, you're probably too young to remember this but on the six million dollar man with lee majors when he's the bionic man so whenever he was running fast they'd show that by showing him in slow motion and um okay whatever and so they did the same thing with the flash here and i asked Bodhi, is he running fast or slow and he goes slow (laughs) that was funny it's very beautiful it's like a renaissance painting but yeah no i'm excited to watch the rest I mean, I, I, I guess I'll go. I, I, if anybody listening, if you saw that, I recommend checking out the episode I did on House Podcastica about it. It was with my friends, Dan and Eric and Rich, who I've known for decades. And um, they're, I joke that they're my personal Justice League. And uh, we, none of us really liked Joss Whedon's Justice League movie, some more than others. And I was expecting probably not to like this one either because I also didn't like Zack Snyder's Batman vs Superman, but I loved it. I really did, and we had oh, such so a great glad. time talking about it. It was cool. <laughs> oh, I'm really glad. It's it seems I'm glad that so many people I know who were really invested in it being good have really enjoyed it, which is mm-hmm. pleasing to me. I was not. I was like, eh, it should be fun to talk about whether it's a huge stinker or it's surprisingly good, and it was surprisingly good. So it was it was really fun. <laughs> oh great okay that's it for the news now it's time for listener moans groans and grunts uh, so before we get started i just want to mention that it's it's somewhat divided but more of you were really bored <laughs> by this than not <laughs> um but i tried to at least at first stagger the responses between negative and positive so i thought i would go first so you don't have to read all the negative ones and it would seem like I just stuck you with the negative ones. <laughs> the pessimistic so, ones. Tammy Barr says, this was a pretty lame episode. It's like The Walking Dead and Ratatouille had sex and made a boring baby episode. <laughs> Music was great as usual, but created a whole lot more suspense than the actual scenes. Also, what did Carol think the rat was going to do when she lifted the box? <laughs> Give her a little nod and say, good day to you. I, yeah, that's good what I was thinking. Good day to you. Too. Dude. <laughs> That would have been a very entertaining episode. Good day yeah, that would have that would have just made it my first five. Yeah, the next episode <laughs> is just here's rat, and it's just the rat story. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been so incredible. I would actually watch that. It's been a long <laughs> pandemic. Um, Wyman Owen says, "I enjoyed it. It was a decent episode. I really liked Carol getting in touch with her inner MacGyver, uh, and how she went full Jack Torrance on the drywall." Daryl's part was kind of meh. He found a hose in a Leatherman. Always good to see Jerry being Jerry. And Dog, well, he drooled. Anyway, good all round after last week's snoozer. <laughs> Fair enough, Wyman. Yeah, I kind of wondered if we, if I, you know, if we'd analyzed a little harder, would we found more with Daryl? But I really felt like it was more of a Carol episode. Agree. I mean, um, when Car- when Daryl came back and said, you know, what's been going on or whatever, and she said the usual. And I thought it is kind of true the usual because as we said, she's like going overboard. <laughs> um, mm. But with, And he said same. And I've wondered if that meant, well, he's, you know, often just out on his own. And so mm. maybe that's what he meant by that. But I don't know. Mm, yeah. Kristen Crabtree said, can we ask Stephen Ogg to record a sound clip for you? I'd like to replace the infamous bullshit clip with boring. (laughs) I did get amusement from dog watching Carol tear apart the garage kitchen looking for the rat after he got scolded for the same thing. 
dog was smug. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chuck Chase says, at uh, Chuck Case, gosh, I've got Chevy Chase on the brain. At uh, Chuck Case, I found this one fairly amusing. Could almost play it and fast forward with some Benny Hill music over parts of it. I did like that Carol kept finding uses for the Swiss Army knife. A little, a little hidden sales pitch, mm-hmm. maybe? Not the greatest episode by itself, but not terrible when you just binge the last five. Yeah, those things are useful. Doug mm. Fick says, I'd love to comment if there was something to comment on. Um, Dog is kind of annoying. <laughs> Doug Fick. <laughs> He's going to get hate for that. But, you know, that is kind of the reason, one of the reasons why I don't really want a dog because I like my furniture. True. And cats are famously never assholes. Well, okay. You got me there. <laughs> Rachel Teal says, nothing happened yet. I'm still full of anxiety from that episode. I need a hug from Jerry. I don't know if it's the anxiety of expecting something bad to happen the whole time. Joke's on me. Or if they just did a really good job of conveying the tension each of them is feeling because their friendship is fucked up. Obviously, it's really difficult to be alone in the apocalypse and they could have used each other. They're better together. But Carol made soup and Daryl found MR meal ready eats or what did you say they were yeah meal ready, ready to eat yeah. yeah that's the one meal ready <laughs> meals ready to eat <laughs> so i don't know they did fine on their own and can survive without each other maybe this goes back to the idea of chosen family they're just over each other right now and have reasons to go their separate ways and in order for their friendship to survive they have to choose each other again no matter what happens everything will be okay because jerry exists <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was just thinking at the conventions, um, Cooper Andrews could totally tack on an extra like 30 or 40 bucks to his autograph fee if a hug was included. Oh, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Rick Montalvon says, most found it boring. Oh, I guess I staggered these wrong. But anyways, says most found it boring, but for some reason I really enjoyed it. Then again, I went in expecting this type of episode and we got a Rosita mention. Can't wait for the Negan episode next week. Yay. Mofavo says, just started, so after cold opening, if I were dog, the decision to go with Carol is really easy. Roof versus rain, nighttime accommodations, food scarce in both places, but cleaner water in Alexandria, walking versus keeping up with the motorcycle, <laughs> yeah. kids to rub belly versus Daryl, home <laughs> versus road life. You're you're not wrong, Mo. Yep, yep. <laughs> Danielle Dement Juice says, I'm a, I am difficult to disappoint when it comes to The Walking Dead, but this episode was boring. I get that these bonus episodes are not really intended to advance the plot, but I don't feel like we got anything valuable at all. No deeper understanding of a character. There was nothing here but about Carol or Daryl that we didn't already know. Well, I wonder if our podcast might have changed hmm. your mind a little bit. I wonder. Elizabeth Nikolaevich says, I don't know, frayed lamp cord, frayed gas line, rat trap, pitfall, need for army knives, symbolic, demonstrative, emotional mayhem between Carol and Daryl, with the funniest moment being Dog watching Carol tearing up the place and floundering for the rat as Dog once did, Mm -hmm. and the rat finally leaving, the mayhem ending with Dog appearing to want Daryl and Carol together, sleep and soup. I enjoyed it. Not bored one bit. Life in the days of... (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. Michael V. Ranks said, a waste of 60 minutes. I'm getting so (laughs) weary of Carol's trials and tribulations. I have a feeling he will not be that big of a fan of the spinoff. 
I signs point to no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carrie Masso Abel says, "I'll take a hug from Jerry in the ZA any day of the week. I bet Cooper Andrews gives the best hugs." <laughs> Dog was kind of a brat, but he's still adorable. Yeah, that sums him up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sue Ellen Smith says, "I really didn't like the last two episodes. I understand that COVID nineteen restrictions mean they have to work with less people on set, but that doesn't mean the writers can't write an interesting script. These were very lazy, uncreative scripts which don't do justice to the characters. They would have." been better not to have done these in between episodes if they were going to be so poorly done considering how cutting edge the walking dead was when it started it really feels like amc isn't respecting the series or the dedicated audience by doing such half-baked episodes with lame scripts which don't have real connection to the main narrative i couldn't disagree with that more sue ellen i i mean as a part of the audience i don't feel disrespected at all i'm really enjoying these but everyone is entitled to their own opinion Speak your truth, Sue Ellen. (laughs) Ashley Edward Wolf says, I want to say I loved it because my love for The Walking Dead is so great, but I'd be lying to you lovely people. This episode was so boring. It would have been much better if we just had some more of Daryl and Carol scavenging and trying to work through their shit. Oh well, I'm really looking forward to next week. Here's Negan. It's going to be so good. Heart and zombie emoji. Sad it's the last episode until season 11 starts. But it's starting sooner than any of us appreciated, Ashley. So hopefully not too long of a wait. (laughs) Yeah, they said summer. Kelly Burgess says, I really thought there was going to be rat stew. (laughs) 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 I didn't even think about that, but it's funny. Some of the listeners did. Uh, Not sure if it's good or bad that I was disappointed. I think Jerry was the best part of the episode and wish it would have been one focusing on him instead. Hopefully this isn't what we have to look forward to in the spinoff. So we're getting to the point where we ran out of positive ones. Yeah. Would you uh, Would you eat a rat? If I was desperate. Yeah. Yeah. Is it keto? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a little Not too a much protein, so I would need to add a lot of butter. It was a very healthy looking rat. Buttered rat. I thought. Is very keto. I mean, the rat. Buttered rat. <laughs> delicious. Just what you want to think about when you're eating your dinner. I thought the rat was quite chunky for an apocalypse rat. I know. He must have something. eaten all the other rats. Or it's like a star rat. <laughs> He's got an IMDb page. Um, Iphigenia St. James says, A bit boring. We already know Daryl and Carol have a connection. I'd rather have seen them have a real moment to address their, address their deeper issues, especially with Daryl. I thought we might get more when they focused on the book of childhood trauma in an earlier season that I think Carol picked up for Daryl, but that never got brought up again. Best part of the episode, Carol fake laughing at Jerry's <laughs> joke. I did enjoy that. <laughs> Uh, Maria Pereira Granada, hey Maria, said I spent the whole episode thinking that rat will end up as an ingredient <laughs> of the soup. Rat soup instead of stone soup. Love Jerry in this episode. Carol needed that hug. Hope Carol and Daryl are able to mend their relationship. Ah, they will. Hate to see them at odds with each other. Love dog, but he was kind of useless. He didn't want to bother getting the rat. And he was a brat messing everything up. I can't deal with all this dog hate. I'm just she loves I'm, it. I'm she leaving the podcast. <laughs> he's a beautiful brett uh thanks maria um brett swain says when daryl was making his way through the walkers there was one that looked a lot like beth it had the same gray sweater yellow shirt and blondish hair a cool easter egg but what do you guys think it meant in the big picture of the episode oh i think it meant that beth finally found her way back to daryl no. yep she walked a long way <laughs> no i actually didn't notice that and i don't think that would have been possible right but beth was shot so She's Maybe not. just an, an echo of a past thing. Yeah. Regret. I'd like to go back and look now that you mentioned it and see if I think mm. it looks like it was intentional. 
I mean, mm-hmm. I do think about Beth. I think about that scene between her and Daryl where she said, you're going to be the last man standing. And I feel like the writers put that in there because they thought there was a very good chance Daryl would be the last man standing. And I still think mm-hmm. there's there is some chance of that, although I feel like when there's no more Walking Dead left on the air, uh, I I would bet that there will be more than just Daryl left. You know, it's an episode I'd like to go back and watch again. Um, still, the one with yeah. Daryl and Beth. Yeah, me too, um, yeah. I feel like I didn't appreciate it at the time, and I kind of want to go back and and rewatch it because I think it's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, well, when, once this podcast is once Walking Dead is over, we're going to do a marathon and watch the entire series in one sitting, so you can see it. Yes, then. and we're just going to live <laughs> podcast along with it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> By the end, we'll be zombies. Um, <laughs> one email from Sam says, hi, Jason and Lucy. It's my first time writing in. Hey, I started listening hey. the mid season nine and backtracked all of nine and some random earlier episodes. It really started to get me to think about the episodes more. And I always look forward to Tuesday when the podcast drops. Walking dead cast has definitely kept me going over the last year during my walks. Nice. Yay. Thanks. I did like the tone of this episode. You got a real sense of their frustration and determination. Having the smaller character episodes is good, but having six in a row is starting to drag, even though I was expecting Mm. it. Well, what about like the Abraham and um, Abraham? Fuck me. I always say that. Uh, Gabriel and Aaron episode in there. I felt like that was more like a, I mean, it only had two characters, but it was Russian roulette. It, that was pretty, yeah, Intense. they really went all out on the intensity yeah, the, for that and one. The and now they're one like, too, let's do soup. With Maggie and them, you know, it's not like they're all these little indie movies. But anyway, he goes on, though I though I thought we'd get a bit more storyline than we have. You guys have talked about the voiceover intro. We don't get that in Australia. It just goes straight oh, into no. the episode. I know last week you talked about maybe it meaning something, but I don't think so if it's not the same everywhere. Can't wait for the Fair final point. season. Sam, Samantha, but don't call me that. <laughs> thank you sam but not samantha thank you sam <laughs> and we got a few calls uh, i just wanted to thank you guys for keeping these to 90 seconds or maybe up to two minutes at the most just so we can get more of them in there and the first one is from amber from wisconsin hey guys it's amber from wisconsin um holy crap did this episode pull a fight club on me <laughs> Oh, this is about last I mean, week's I think episode. We all at oh, the that I forgot to mention something that something wasn't right with Princess, but I didn't think anything of it. Honestly, I mean, I figured it had something to do with her backstory, which is completely heartbreaking, by the way. Um, mm. you know, when Ezekiel showed up in her train car, I was like, "Yes, he's here to save her. They're going to save everybody together." And then it's like, it just completely flipped on me, and I did not see it coming. Usually I can see twists like that coming. Did not see it coming. I was even in tears when, you know, Ezekiel said to her, nobody will hurt you again while I'm around. It was just, I felt like it was such a touching moment. And, you know, it was... Between the actors, obviously, both of the actors were there. But to find out that Ezekiel was not actually there just completely blew my mind. Um, We still don't know who the hell these people are. Mm. Interested to find out. Also excited to see Daryl and Carol, um, you know, kind of fighting it out next week and 
going their separate ways. We'll see how that goes. Maybe he'll go look for Leah, maybe, or Connie, someone. Mm, looks for a Swiss Army knife. Thanks, guys. Actually. Bye. <laughs> I love that you were so moved and affected and impacted by that episode. That's that's pretty cool. I was so shaken, shaken by that first sentence. Did this people fight club on me? I was like, like, what did I miss? Daryl and Carol are the same person. (laughs) (laughs) And the episode's called Diverged. What a mind blower. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Thank you, Amber. And the rest of these are about this week's episode. Here's Renee from Atlanta. Hi guys. This is Renee from Atlanta. Alrighty, um, I forgot the name of it because it was so boring. I'm gonna call it the rat. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call the episode, the rat. Boring, boring, and then boring. <laughs> like who cares about Carol chasing after a rat? Like seriously, The Walking Dead could have kept these episodes. They really could have. I mean, I would have been okay with The Walking Dead keeping these episodes. I would not have been upset at all. I mean, I'm a die-hard Walking Dead fan. So I would have waited forever until it come back home. But these episodes are embarrassing. Seriously, they are super embarrassing. Now, with Daryl, I did enjoy that part, that part, that part of it because we got some walkers and we haven't been getting a lot of walkers lately. But what a coincidence that he was looking for the um, knife, the little knife thing or whatever it's called. I don't know the military thing, and then he found two military men. Seriously, but yeah, I did enjoy that because we got walkers. But other than that, like super. Freaking a bore a ring. I'm I'm talking boring. But um, <laughs> on the other hand, I'm looking forward to the um, handmade teal. I'm definitely looking forward to that podcast. And Lucy, you need to get with the program because Fear of the Walking Fear of the Walking Dead is so good. So I really want you to podcast about it. I really do. I love hearing your voice. So please think about it. Okay, talk to you guys later. Bye. Oh, the feeling is so mutual, Renee. About my your voice, not about Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I will try and be more open minded. Well, you you said you you'd come on for a couple, right? So, oh yeah, on for yeah, a couple. yeah. I I just I just keep getting sucked back in. <laughs> uh, it's funny because somebody asked for a Stephen Og recording of boring, but I think we can use Renee's there. I'll Cut that out. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I was thinking we should get a, a sound bite of um, see you later, asshole, just for when we don't like something. Oh, that's would a be good, good one. <laughs> All right. Got some work to do. Okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks, Renee. That was awesome. Here is Steve Brown. Hey, Jason Lucy. This is Steve, and I just started my second watch of Diverged. So I'm going to uh, give my thoughts as we go. All right. Of course, it kind of makes sense to me that Dog would go with the woman who's not on a motorcycle that he's going to have to run beside. (laughs) I love that that Carol is really, she's trying to get back involved in the community. She's been away for so long in this whole exchange with with Jerry about um, making something to eat really gives her a chance to get back in with the Mm. group. I didn't notice the first time through the the whole thing with the Swiss Army knife is great, and I love Norman Reedus's uh, is acting in that scene when he realizes that he doesn't have it and he needs it, and he, so he's got to use the big gigantic knife to try to do what the smaller knife would would be better at. But we also see Carol using the smaller knife for so many things. I love Jerry. Yeah, <laughs> caring. It's a real problem. Oh, you know these last. Oh, by the way, 
nobody said the title of the episode in the the thing this time. Um, oh shoot! I was kind of disappointed. You know, I wish they found some way to work it in, but because um, they have all the the rest of them. Um, I really like these episodes. I know some people may not like them because they're not really furthering the story, but at least we're getting some Walking Dead. So I'm happy with that. Mm. All right. Can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one. Uh, talk to you later. Oh, Steve. Something we didn't talk about that I've seen in a few reviews is the Robert Frost poem about roads diverging in a wood. Mm. And I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, that's a thing. They didn't say the name, but that image of that perfectly symmetrical fork in the road with mm. each of them going down each side clearly was there's the title right there. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing, but I really like that image. Mm, I think that, yeah, it was very beautiful. And Daryl took the road less traveled by <laughs> and nearly got crushed by a car. <laughs> that's how the poem goes, right? <laughs> from what I remember from college, it's been a while. We have got. Two more calls. Here's Claire from Colorado. Yay, Claire. Hi, Jason and Lucy. Um, it's Claire from Colorado calling. Um, I just uh, had a thought and um, earlier today because I was thinking, I, I'm not sure how I feel about this Carol and Daryl dynamic. And I um, remember on last week's podcast, you said like, oh, great. We already know that the spinoff's going to have Daryl and Carol. And um, they spoiled that for us, which kind of, I don't know, I think was not a smart move and and uh, didn't really make anyone happy that we know that that's uh, the end game for the flagship show. But um, I had a thought thinking, just because they said that Daryl and Carol are going on this spinoff, um, I'm not sure that I think Carol's going to stay on it. Mm-hmm. I I think that could be a little bit of a a trick because I know Walking Dead likes to trick us and so they're putting Carol and Carol and Daryl together in this spinoff and so everybody thinks they know what's going to happen but maybe Carol is going to die in the first season or in the first few episodes and it's going to be something completely different because I'm only saying this because I feel like after um, this last episode and um, a few weeks ago episode, uh, weeks ago goes episode, um, I feel like this dynamic is between Carol and Daryl is getting a little bit uh, old mm-hmm. and uh, they'd have to really change something for me to get behind the seeing the two of them um, together. But anyhow, I just had that quick thought um, about that. Do with it what you will. God bless, guys. Take care. Bye. Ooh, interesting. I mean, I really think that the producers of the show see Carol and Daryl as two fan favorites. And also there's mm-hmm. two actors who are willing to stick around. And I think if they heard you say, oh, I'm not into the dynamic, they'd be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> because they think everyone's into it and they think everyone loves these characters and i um think revealing that there's going to be a spinoff they had to weigh the benefits and you know the pros and cons between giving something away and also i mean the reason they did it is just to let people know hey even though we're Mm -hmm. ending the main show we still want you to stick around because we have something great coming up so don't think about going away you know I don't know. Maybe it would have been better to just let people think it was ending and then go surprise. Yeah. I always wondered 
if there was a little bit of contract stuff because I feel like we were told they were contracted for a certain amount of time and then they announced that this would be the last season so I off- I did kind of wonder if this was filling in contractual obligations for Daryl and Carol but for Norman and Melissa rather um, but I don't if know I'd was. be interested uh, having the spin-off I wondered if their contract oh. stated like they had X amount of episodes or whatever but because they were closing after that season they were still owed stuff, if that makes sense. So, like, they had to make up the difference. I doubt it. I think usually the contracts, um, it would end with the show. I, you, yeah, you'd think I, so. I don't, think so. I don't know. I yeah, feel like I, 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 yeah. I think they're we'll just see. trying to keep this, you know, milk this for all it's worth, the Walking Dead yeah. story. And they figured the best way to do that with the resources they have. Plus, I, I, I also suspect because. Angela King didn't realize that the series was going to end. I think that was not her decision, of course. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's true of anything. You you don't realize something until you're told it. But still, I think she, she was surprised to hear that. And I think maybe one reason why they've decided to end it is because there's a thousand actors on this show and it's probably expensive more and more expensive as time goes on so why not pare it down to two fan favorites and have it be a road road you know show where they're on the road yeah because i was looking at the main credits and yeah there's a heck of a lot of actors for the amount of time we see them on screen you know there's a lot of people in main credits and kind of sub credits that are are clearly getting paid per episode it's yeah and we know amc likes to save its money yeah, <laughs> Lauren Cohan gives us side eye, but yes, yeah. we'll see. I mean, I just hope that the show feels different. You know, that would be cool mm. if somehow it could. If feel they did a something, yeah, if they did something adventurous with it, that yeah. would be cool. Yeah, like talking rats or something. Yeah, ratatouille, <laughs> rat zombie. Okay, rat zombie. Finally, we have Enwin. Yay! Hello, Walking Dead cast. This is Enwin. So Carol goes out on a food run, but she forgets one of the most important rules of the apocalypse that we've all learned over the last year. When you get home from doing the groceries, you wash your hands and you wash the groceries when you get back in the house. Um, Daryl <laughs> seems to have some better luck eventually. Mm-hmm. It's a great idea, actually, ransacking the military Zs. They have really good swag on them. Mm-hmm. Um, the rat storyline, not my favourite, I don't know. Is it a metaphor for Carol always blindly chasing some obsession or other? Is yeah. this her realizing that that's sometimes fruitless? Yeah. I just it was just a bit meh for me. Um, other episodes showed some character development or some character background in this little little mini season that we've got, and this one didn't really do either. I feel like Daryl's still gruff and independent, and Carol's still highly strung, and if there aren't some socially distanced Zeds in a field to kill, she has to punch a wall. I just felt like it didn't move the story at, at all, and it felt like filler within filler. But I'm a big fan of Daryl and Carol, but if this is what the Daryl and Carol show is selling, I'm quite reluctant to buy it. But of course, I'll still watch. Uh, The high point for me was I loved Carol's laugh and then sudden serious face when Jerry said, go get some stones. I think I really need a (laughs) gif of that. Anyway, keep up the great work, guys. See ya. Oh, I would like that gif. I would use that gif. (laughs) Who's in charge of gifs? Who do I need to phone? Make one. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how to make gifs. If someone makes a gif of that and sends it to us, then we'll love you. That would be great. (laughs) 
All right. That is our show. Episode 425. Thanks for listening, everyone. That was a good one. I, I enjoyed that. It's cool. It really was. If you guys want to give us a call, you can reach us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. You can email us at brains at podcastica.com. You can find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast. And be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com. Yeah, Rima and Paik are getting ready to cover... What was that? Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman, which I haven't seen yet, but I, I need to watch it. I, I don't know anything gonna, about yeah. it, so. I'm excited to watch it and to, to tune in. Uh, next episode of this podcast is the one that we've all been waiting for out of these six. It's Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 22, Here's Negan. I'm about to read the synopsis, so if you don't want to hear it, you should just stop listening right now. Here goes. It says, Carol takes Negan on a journey, hoping to minimize the increasing tension. Negan reflects on the events that led him to this point and comes to a conclusion about his future. Mm. And it's based on the comics of the same, the comic story of the same name. And I heard it's good, but do you have any suspicions or predictions about it? I'm I'm just excited to see. I think yeah. from what I've seen, they've they've diverged a little bit from the comic material, mm. but the Here's Negan series was was great to read, yeah. and I think it. I'm excited actually to see what it's going to be like. I think we'll maybe need to have a comic talk section. Yeah, and since I mentioned that people who didn't want to be spoiled should just uh, and and we can say that the person who plays his wife, Negan's wife, is his real wife, Hillary Burton. Which is both COVID handy and interesting. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they can just totally French kiss and it would be fine. Yep. It's going to be very explicit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is our show. Thanks for listening. Don't, Don't get, get bit, bit Megan, Megan Brady, Brady right? Like super freaking boring. I'm, I'm talking boring.